welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we get together and help one another. Or maybe you're helping me. Get together and help the man on the radio by getting together. It's that simple. All you have to do is listen, lay back, and relax. And we're going to heal our hearts and laugh. And maybe we'll pee ourselves. That's all right. No shame. Sanctuary. That's what this is. This is sanctuary. Oh, hello, friends. Please come in. Come on in. I want you to step in out of the chaos, out of the turmoil and the storm of injustice and pain and grief into this small island of peace and love, this little bit of tranquility in a raging, fiery storm. Come on into this space. You're going to be safe here. We're going to be full of love, and it's going to act as a bomb. Not a bomb. Did he say bomb? He's got a bomb. No, no, like, no, like Ben Gay bomb with an L. Bomb with an L. And so what if that was, uh, oh, your show really bombed. Thank you. I hope you rubbed it all over yourself. Well, I want to rub something all over you, but your soul, not your body. Your body, oh my goodness, it can uh, deteriorate, you know. All oh, these vehicles that we have been given, they're like East German cars. They just fall apart. They can't really be recycled very well. I guess they can a little bit. You can leave some of your organs when you die. You can donate them. I'm just going to leave some of them behind. I don't want, I don't want anybody to get them because I'm not sure they're any good. But I think I'm going to just leave them for other things. Like my liver, I think, would be nice, like a pate for a zoo animal because I pity them. They're in prison. And so I would love an incarcerated tiger to eat some of my organs. And I suppose it wouldn't be very satisfying. So little meat, they're used to having something quite substantial. Maybe a thigh even. I think I'm going to... Uh, donate my buttocks to my local zoo. And I'm not a big fan of zoos, but I don't think that the regular prisoners want to eat human flesh. But I don't know. My goodness, I don't know. Probably it's better than prison food. So, so who knows? Oh, my goodness, I'm probably not doing a very good job of calming your soul because I'm certainly not a professional like those others out there that have these so-called sanctuaries because their so-called sanctuaries a lot of times have gymnasiums and even restaurants and things like that. Oh, my goodness. If you want to go to a giant house of worship like that, uh, where the pastor knows you about as well as Tom Hanks knows you, then bless your heart. But, oh, my goodness, I have room for all of your names in my heart. You must have lots of listeners. I don't really have enough. I have a manageable amount. You know, because a love circle, if it's too large, people at the edge of the love circle, like penguins on the outer rim, are not getting all the warmth. Now, what penguins do is they take turns being on the outside of the penguin warming scrum. And some they'll move on the inside and they'll, so you, you, everybody has to get a little bit of the cold, but we also can be insulated by one another. Oh, I want to surround you by others with other souls that will warm you because they also value love and justice and peace and equality and all these wonderful things uh, that are the toilet paper of the general culture. So no longer, not in here, nobody's going to wipe their butt on our beliefs. Uh, and what we're going to do is going to heal because I am afraid. Oh, you're going to admit you're afraid, you coward. Mm-mm. No, no. If you're not afraid, you're not alive. Everything that lives is afraid. You can see it in everything they do. Even if they don't have a predator, they're afraid of not getting food. Everything is motivated by this. Oh, my goodness. It's about managing it. And it's about not letting your fear turn into other things. Because, gosh, there's, not, there's, not, there's a small line there between the fear and the anger. And we don't want to self-destruct in our battle for justice. We want to stay whole. And oh my goodness, what better 
place to do that than right here in Miracle Nutrition, a virtual place of sanctuary. Oh, I know many gentle souls come here because they want to have a reality check. Say, oh, I have committed my heart to kindness and love and peace, Hardy. I feel foolish. I feel like an idiot. I'm being told I'm weak. I'm being told I'm evil even. Oh, my goodness, no. Come on in here. Shake that stuff off of you. Let me tell you a story. Now, there used to be a show on called Doctor Who. It's still on. It's barely on, man. They make uh, Every two years, they make four episodes or something. They go, well, maybe it's the doctor they don't like. So, But it was a once great show. Not great. That's silly. No. Um, it's great like Little Lulu is a great comic. So, yeah, sort of. Sort of was. So, on Doctor Who, they got these... I hope I'm not going to sound like Andy Griffith going, what it was was football. I subjected that you to that a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to sound too country and dumb about this. But uh, the Daleks are this... Gosh, I don't know if they're a race or what, what they are, but they're these little... I don't know what they look like. They look like subway robots or something that they got now, but this was in the 60s they came up with it. And they all got these bumps on them. They've got weird metal bumps on them, and they're shaped like a croquette, like the, like a chicken croquette or something like that, you know, uh, like slightly, I don't know what they look like, band roll-on, too. And then they have a plunger and a whisk as, uh, as arms, and then they shoot from them, too, or something like that. So they were this villain on Doctor Who, and they, you know, they say, exterminate, exterminate, which is funny because that's what the pest control guy used to say when he'd come into our house, and I didn't get it for a long time. And uh, I grew up in the 70s when they, someone would come in your house, and they'd spray, like, DDT on your carpet and go, you're all set. And um, so these Daleks uh, seem to be these heartless robots. Now, on one episode, they decide to crack one open. Like who done, every curious child has done that. I want to see how a clock works. And you break it open, you know. And uh, so that's what they did at one point. Either that or it, it popped open. Or I don't even know. Maybe if you hit the whisk just right, you know, it pops open. But then they saw inside there's a little creature, a little delicate, fleshy cephalopod thing. Like a little squid or an octopus or something in there. And he didn't sound so tough without his armor. But sometimes I feel like a Dalek. Sometimes I feel like a squishy cephalopod that is not fit for this world, that is too soft and uh, does not have the armor. And so I will armor myself in some kind of tank and zip around like that and expressing my anger and exterminate, exterminate everything that seems to be a threat to me until I'm the only one left. Now, I don't want that. So sometimes I want to pop open that armor and expose my fleshy cephalopod self to the world and say, come on in here, try to make calamari out of me. And uh, I'm going to use the armor of my convictions from now on. You will not shake me from my dedication to love and compassion. I'm sorry. Go ahead, try. But also realize that we do have armor. You can armor up so uh, we don't have to be uh, victims. How will you not be a victim? Well, I'm going to get to that, and I'm the, uh, at the end, I will tell you how you can buy my complete set of spiritual armor. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I think it's the penguin scrum. I think that we are the armor for one another. I think that our 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 unity and love, you can't, break those true bonds, and I don't think the evildoers, those who would destroy others, those who abuse, uh, those who neglect, those who persecute, uh, they can never make true bonds of love. They can never have this. They are all on their own. They are solitary creatures. They will ever remain Daleks, and yet we, we will swim together in some kind of wonderful school of gooey floaty things. And I think together, you know, uh, let's make a super organism. So welcome to Miracle Nutrition. This is only a radio show.
The radio show's the best way to do it. I've thought about it. If we all show up in person, it's so, you get so self-conscious. You know, oh, Larry's here. Now, Larry may be a, a, a delicate soul. Larry may, you know, barely be able to uh, overcome uh, their anxiety to go out and encounter others. But we want to be able to include Larry in the penguin scrum. So we, we, this is the best way to do it. And so this way, you just, we come together soul only, nobody necessary. So we just come together as, as spiritual beings here at this silly hour. And the time will be a place. Yo, how is time a place? Well, if you've, if you've done any kind of deep dives into religious mysticism, you will realize that time is sometimes referred to as a place. If you're uh, uh, Jewish, for instance, you might see uh, the Sabbath, Shabbat as an island. Is island time something that is above and removed from normal time? Things do not uh, affect it that way they do in the mundane, uh, worldly uh, way. Uh, we are above and beyond and outside of time. And that's what I want this to be for you, a refuge, a cave. I was in uh, western Kentucky at uh, Mammoth Caves. And I believe it's plural because it's more than one cave. But there is a big cathedral-type cave where they have had uh, religious services in the past because it's very, you know, High up the ceiling, not the ceiling of the cave. I'm not a kalunker, so I don't know. And uh, it's so low, it seems like a natural cathedral. And I can't even, I would be wonderful, you know. And the Lord says, he said. I'm just thinking of a little Robert Klein joke about, um, about a guru at a stadium. Boy, he did that. I don't know if you know that. was an old comedian named Robert Klein. He might still be alive. God bless him. I hope he doesn't live in the New York, New Jersey area. Listen, shut up. You're making fun of me. I'm not, though. I'm not. I'm just saying. But he had this same uh, uh, joke about the Maharishi speaking um, at a stadium or something. And he would go, meditation, like that. And And I thought as a child, I thought that was so clever. Go, look at that. He's doing the echo with his mouth like that. So I've, I've been trying to, I'll, I might do that. I might steal that. I just wanted to let you know where I stole it in case you wanted to go steal something from him. And uh, that's what I always do. I all, always make attributions. I steal jokes on a regular basis. But I think it's okay if you use footnotes. That's not stealing. I think it's just if you pass something off as your own. But then I think, you know, Myron Cohen's been gone so long. Will he notice? Will anybody notice? I have done that. I've, I've thinking, well, maybe nobody will, nobody will notice. And you can, I'll go back in time to obscure movies, too. Those are a good place to steal things. Why don't you come up with something original? There's nothing original. Please spare me. Every, everything is built on something that used to be there. Every building is built probably on the grounds of something that was there once. I remember touring the Henry Clay house for the first time. I said, this house is very old. You know, it's 200 years old or something. That's amazing. But it ain't the, it ain't the original. You know, what do you mean? You go, well, the original lasted like a couple of years, and it was built so poorly they tore it down, and they built an exact replica. This is a true story. They used really bad bricks when Henry Clay built his house, and it started to crumble almost immediately. So they had to tear it down and build it up again. I think that's pretty amazing. So it's it's the same house, but it's like ship of Theseus kind of thing. Is it the same house? And uh, so we may uh, we may tear down and 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 rebuild, but uh, all the time like that. But it isn't stealing. It's just there's nothing new under the sun, really. It's just about reassembling it, right? So you can take my friend Vicky Bennett. Now, he said, oh, she steals stuff from movies. Oh, no. She cuts up ma- movies like they're magazines and then makes a collage, right? That's different. And that's a whole new thing. And you can't say it's not a new thing. It can make you feel totally different than the original thing. So I can make a collage out of, out of fashion magazines and, and have it look like a horror show, right? And that's because I've put them in a different order, and everything is like that. 
numbers. You know, there's only so many numbers. We just keep rearranging them to make things, don't we? Oh, my goodness. I'm so lucky to have you in here with me. And I feel so much better already being surrounded by your warmth. And I'm not quite ready to go out on the edge. I'm going to um, try to stall. And so I won't be exposed to the cold. But I'm willing to do it because I know you are too. And that is so important, is doing things together and cooperating. And when that falls apart, oh my goodness. No, I don't want to take a turn doing it. That's the worst. That wasn't Butchie, by the way. That was just me doing a, a snotty voice. And uh, he's, thank goodness he's not here. There's nothing worse than doing like an impression of a friend and then they walk in. And this uh, must have happened to Jimmy Cagney all the time or somebody, you know? Edward Robinson, you know, coming, walking into a bar to hear someone going like, you know, ah, hey, I'm, I'm Eddie Robinson. You guys got a problem? Um, no, I'm sorry, Eddie. I just, your voice is so distinctive. So I don't want to, it's not mocking or anything. Are you feeling a little better? <sighs> Boy, I get so, I get so upset um, at, at things. One of them is uh, cruelty, you know. Uh, one of them, uh, suffering. I had to, this memory, <clears throat> and this is not cruelty or suffering, so you think like, wow, you're really delicate. But I remember being four or five years old or something, and we're, I'm coming out of the airport, and my great-grandparents were still alive. And my great-grandmother, Granny, Granny Ray, she fell down and, uh, and skinned her knee. And seeing this older person fall, I realized now she's like in her 70s or something. She wasn't that. I don't know how old she really was. Um... I got friends now that are older than my great-grandparents were when I knew them. But she fell in Skinner Day, and I was absolutely almost inconsolable. I guess I was so young I didn't, I didn't realize uh, the fragility of life. And I hadn't—nobody had died yet, you know? And I, I guess I think my great-grandfather was the first to die. I didn't know him very well, and he's kind of scary, so that didn't really, that didn't really sink in. But, you know, the older you get, loss and suffering, you start to experience it and you think, this is going to break me. I don't know what to do. How am I going to survive this? Every time I love, every time I put my heart out there, I feel like I am setting myself up for a heartectomy. If I glue my heart to somebody, they're going to walk away and it's going to pop out of my chest like that. And I can't take that. I can't, oh, loving your family and everything. Well, let me tell you what. Uh... It is not something to be done in isolation, you know. That's why we want love communities. That's why we have groups where we want to cooperate. We want to, to have a balance between selfish and selfless. We want to have the option of opening up our Dalek armor and being our authentic selves, but closing our Dalek armor because we don't want to be destroyed. And so we gather together, and we get strength from one another. And that's how we go on in love. See, this is our group. This is our secret. See, I, I, when I need something from you, you have it. When you need something from me, you have it. And this isn't transactional. It's transcendent. It's because we realize that but we are the organism. We are the life. So when the Bible says something like, uh, uh, you know, judge not and, and you won't be judged and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you think, well, that's not right. I've, I'm not judgmental and I'm judged all the time. You know, I don't hurt anybody and they hurt me all the time. Well, that's a philosophical statement and it's a statement of the unity of biological life. And it basically means that you can't pee at someone in a pool. You can't poop at someone in a swimming pool. You just poop into the pool. You just pee into the pool. So what you do, what you put out there, remains, and you swim in it as well. There is no escaping the, uh, your uh, fecal fuselage that you shoot at people. You're soaking in it. As, as Madge would say. 
What? Oh yes, it's it's this new my new uh, so it's eff, uh, effluence effluent. What sewage sewage is it sewage or sewage? I don't think there's an R. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest. I'm not from the Midwest. Bless you. Uh, if you are, we all talk different. We all have different experiences. But basically, we have the same human experience. We have the same tender hearts a lot of times. Now, sometimes you say, well, I'm not so sure because my, uh, my dentist is, a, uh, is, is, is psychotic, a psychotic masochist. Maybe you say, or he's like, has no soul. You know, I'm pretty sure he's a psychopath. You go, well, you know, this is something to deal with. And it is a confusing thing about humanity. But we're not here to talk about redeeming everybody. We're here to talk about surviving uh, love. We're here to talk about being together. And I would love to not talk. But it is radio, and so that's the, that's the only uh, real downside to being sort of a virtual space like this. I don't like that word, uh, but we, which one? Virtual space? I don't know now. I guess I like them. But, so virtual feels like it means in the computer now, and I don't like that, because that's not what, oh, virtual really just means like almost or something, right? Um, but... Uh, we can't do a lot of nonverbal things together that really work. And uh, so, but those also kind of make you self-conscious too. Did you ever have to stand in like a circle holding hands with people and everything? Oh, God. It's, sometimes it's agony. I was at a, a dinner party, and it was a long time ago, and um, I had to stand in, and they stand in a circle and hold hands, and everybody, instead of saying like, you know, a prayer. None of these people were particularly religious. I don't even know why we were doing this. And we would say things, hopes and wishes, you know, that we had, like good thing, you know, I hope uh, we all are safe and healthy and everything. And uh, a friend of mine cursed all his political enemies, which I thought was brave. And he was very specific about what he wanted to happen. And at the time, I felt very judgmental. And then I thought, you know what? Sometimes we need to express ourselves. Sometimes we need to cry out in great agony. Sometimes we need to use very strong language. And even the Bible has this. There's psalms that are called imprecatory psalms, which is, well, doesn't that mean to summon evil? Well, yeah, kind of. They're curses. These psalms are poetic curses. And they say things like, you know, God, I'm suffering. Please hear me. What's going on? Um, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus was quoting a psalm on the cross when he said, God, how's that forsaken me? That's David. Uh, so he was saying, uh, uh, he was, uh, that was a quote. And so uh, there was probably one person in the audience going, oh, 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 I know what the reference is. I get the reference. Jesus, I understand your reference. Fantastic. Um, maybe it didn't happen like that. But these psalms are just crying out, and they seem vicious. You know, I want my enemies destroyed, and it gets ripped out. But listen, the experience of human suffering is profound. It isn't something that can be candy-coated. And a lot of times, the consequence of evil or the consequence of thoughtlessness or persecution is uh, whitewashed because we can't look at it and remain a compassionate, sensitive person without being changed. And we'd have to confront the reality of it. And we'd have to confront the reality of it vis-a-vis -vis our powers. What have I done to, to bring this on? What, have I, what can I do to stop it? I feel so powerless. And, and sometimes we remain in that state of powerlessness. And I'm telling you, you don't have to solve everything. And you don't have to be helpful on a grand scale. Because it's the little things that add up. It's the small kindnesses. You do what you are capable of doing. As little as you want. And, you know, it can be a small thing. You know, if you just... And we do that all the time. Did you ever... Uh, somebody may, might stand up and their wallet falls and you go, sir, your, your wallet, oh my gosh, thank you. 
Now, that's not saving the world or anything, but I bet you feel pretty good about yourself, don't you? You go, you know what? I just did a small thing, and, I, you know, it's not even it's not worth more than a thank you. But I could have just saved this person an immense amount of suffering. You know, what if they lost all their money, all their credit cards? What if their identity was stolen? What if they, uh, they, they needed an ID to get into something to get medical treatment and it wasn't there? And what, Who knows what that loss could have done? And that's why in a lot of religious texts, it gets very specific. It'll say, look, you jerkwad, pick it up. You see somebody drop their wallet, pick it up. Don't you keep it? Why? I'll tell you why. Because you're going to need that someday. You're going to need that service of somebody picking up your wallet. And if you completely pollute the swimming pool, that ain't going to happen. There's not going to be any clear water. So uh, it's something that is practical as well. But it feels good, too. It feels good. Because you think, if I'm doing this, I bet somebody's looking out for me, too. And that's happened many a time. And I, I, have you ever been really overwhelmed by kindness? It happens in the hospital all the time when you're completely vulnerable. You know, to some, some people it doesn't. They still remain. Uh, but somebody's like, oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much. Because uh, a small kindness can eliminate quite a bit of suffering. And the feeling of being humbled in the face of Others' compassion is just a wonderful, can be a wonderful feeling. It can be overwhelming as well. Gratitude can feel overwhelming. Um, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be uh, liberated if you were captive and have somebody rescue you. The, the amount of the outpouring of thanks you would feel like, I have, there's nothing I can do to repay you. You know, but there is, and that's live your life that way. Right? Sometimes I've sound, I'll say things and I sound just like the drunk John Wayne. I don't know if you ever heard that tape. And um, this John Wayne was drunk and he was talking to some kind of ROTC kids. And it's, it's that thing that drunk people do. When they get like a kind of whispery. Um, I think I did it on, on uh, Instagram or something. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'll get out and say, I want to do like a really bad John Wayne impression. You just go on Instagram and, uh, you know, 10 people will go, ah. Oh, um, it's lunch. is lonely. I'm just lonely. I don't do anything to interact with anybody. I'm getting to that age where you're just like, boy, I hope somebody comes by soliciting something. You know, I really want like people come by, live political stuff, and they most of the time, they just want to put something on your doorknob and run. But like if I see them, I'll open the door and I'll go, hey, 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 I voted for your guy, for, for commissioner or something. Uh, I'll do that. If the candidate's actually there, they always end up having to excuse themselves. Uh, religious people, I don't try to challenge anybody. I just want to talk about important things. Well, don't you have a radio show? Yeah, I know I'm doing right now. So I hope, and I hope I'm not keeping you. That's a wonderful thing too, is that, you know, I never know when you leave. You just said, I left about 40 minutes ago. Oh, I don't know. I'm still talking. And it is, it is like I am talking to myself a bit, but talking to each other is like talking to oneself in a way. And even listening, you know, to be a really good communicator, you must be a good listener. Even listening to others is a skill that will help you listen to yourself. You've got together with a friend, and the, the other day I was doing that, and I really wanted to download all my problems to my very strong friend, who I, and I was also struggling. And so I was like, maybe, Hardy, maybe you ought to shut up and listen. And maybe the act of listening is the act of helping myself as well. And if I expect listening, I need to give listening. And it was absolutely better to listen when I got out of myself. I like to step away from myself sometimes, and that's why I like to be together with, with, with you all. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna um, no, I'm gonna save that joke. I had a I have a really good one. It's not a joke. It's just a, it's like a, a dad joke. Why do they call things dad jokes like puns? And that bec that's because 
it's expected when you get to a certain age, you don't as much care about, um, you're not as self-conscious. Um, you don't care. It's too late to care about being cool anymore because everybody's like seeing your hairless shins. Um, and that thing, I'm losing the hair on my lower legs. And so when people go, shave your legs, you go, no, I'm just old. I got some heart thing or something. I don't know. It's just socks. I have no idea. But, um, you know, things are changing. Oh, my gosh, hormones. Oh, this body. I know you know what it's like. I have a lot of friends that are uh, chronic illnesses and, and chronic pain. And, you know, and it's just it's a different world. You can't, uh, it's a different experience. When, when, when things feel awful like that, you can't think straight. Or if you have a, a mental crisis, it's a different experience. You can't just snap out of it. You need the, the warm, beautiful embrace of, of, of love and understanding. And, uh, you know, you can't fully get outside of yourself when you have uh, pain, but you can, uh, it's, it's, you know that the compassion does help and that loneliness makes everything worse. And this counts as not being, I mean, being here, listening to the show, you are not alone. You know, so I don't leave my house a lot. Listen, maybe you can't. I mean, maybe, maybe that is, you know, a little too much. You maybe get to get your strength, do things slowly, but you can still have others in your life and you can still care you can reach out and do some caring and the caring is just a wonderful uh feeling in itself and you say well the people i'm caring for aren't caring back it's not exactly how it works and it'll come it might come from other directions you know because it's like saying you know i've i've now given this poor family food for five years and they have not given me any food well, you don't need any. What you need, you might guess from somebody else. It isn't a quid pro quo thing, I don't think. So I'm just here to give uh, hugs. What's a hug? You know, so I just need a hug. You need uh, a neurological, physical, and symbolic demonstration of care. The embrace is the ultimate. Because we, as a children, we feel this, you know, we swaddle children. This feeling of being hugged and embraced is primal. We have it in the womb. We are surrounded by the warm water. Now, once we become exposed Daleks, it's very terrifying. And we, we need this. I said, my, my beagle, I have an elderly beagle. And for most of his life, he doesn't even like to be touched, really. Now he's really old. And I gotta like I gotta hug him and everything, and he and 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 it breaks my heart a little bit. But also I'm like I finally get to hug him now that he's all uh, kind of dirty and <laughs> cloudy eyed and everything. But oh, he sleeps with his tongue hanging out. Now hilarious. He just looks dead. You know, I'm not dead yet. Um, but uh, we all need that. Uh, to be surrounded. I know I've had profound experiences where I've been uh, very vulnerable and in grief or something, and I feel this. Uh, have you ever felt like an angelic? I don't believe. I mean, you believe in angels? I don't believe in. I just. I don't know that I need belief. It just things just happen, and I give them names, and the names are sometimes poetic. That's all. You know, I think a lot of times we just identify the unknown with whatever beautiful imagery we can come up with. And so I like to poetically describe things that I am not sure what they are. So I'm disinclined to give them very specific names without qualifying this, saying, you know, I'm, I'm talking about something that's happened to me. It's probably coming from the inside of me and not from the outside of me, but I'm, I'm telling you how it was perceived. And I have felt a couple times in my life when I was completely broken, as if I was being held by something like angelic wings around me. And I know that's from like picture books and things, but that's fine. 
Oh, my goodness, the creative nature. We can make stuff up in our heads that make us feel better even. Oh, I have conversations with myself. I believe in, in prayer because I believe sometimes you got to sit down and say things out loud, even if you're saying them to nothing. You know, you got to remind yourself that things need to be done. So I've always, like, I was finally instructed in prayer and saying, you know, you're not, uh, even if God exists, you're not going to get uh, much out of him. Because, uh, you know, imagine like a creator God probably looks like a fiery black hole or something. And uh, he's not going to say in perfect English, like, all right, I'll get right on that. So it's up to you uh, to sort of do these things. And so when you say things like, oh, Lord, I want uh, my, my friends suffering and I, I want to, uh, they need comfort and they need healing. Well, you do as much as you can do towards that end. And it reminds you because you forget. You forget things need to be done. That's why we have to-do lists. When I see prayer as a kind of to-do list, reminds me that even if I'm just keeping someone in my thoughts, people mock that and they go, thoughts and prayers. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not enough in some situations, but keeping someone in your thoughts means that you are ready to act. If they're not in your thoughts, then you're not ready to act because you're not thinking about them. But if you're saying, I'm going to remember the need, I'll remember the need, I remember my friends in need, I remember my friends in need, and then when I can help them, I will. But if I don't remember it, it ain't never going to happen. And that's how, I, that's how I see it. You know, it's not uh, magical incantations as much as it's uh, self-directed uh, reminders. Oh, I know many of you don't even need a reminder. Such big hearts out there. Beautiful, kind people. And, you know, my listeners, we're all over the place. You know, uh, as far as life experience, ages even. I mean, this really pleases me. Um, I will say that most of the people that get, you know, like my TV references are of exact same age and background. But generally, lots of people listen to the show who are different, all different from one another. And the thing they have in common, usually, is that they are big-hearted or... Um, or weird, or feel uh, different in a way. But you get a bunch of people together who feel different, and they don't feel different anymore. Not really. I've always thought sometimes, uh, you know, you think you're uh, eccentric until you meet somebody who really is. <laughs> and then you think, well... Like, oh, okay, well, I don't know, I'm not, uh, there's not a carrot sticking out of my ear or anything, so I guess maybe I'm not as, I think maybe I'm a little more conventional than I thought I was. And uh, that all strikes us at one point. Oh, gosh. It could be a bad thing, too. So well, I'm not original. Yeah, well, you kind of, you are and you aren't. So it matters less when we're all doing something. It's hard, have you ever been playing tug of war and thought, you know, you're in, a, you're at a, fair or one of these picnics or something and you're playing tug of war and you think you know what's it all about what's my life why am I such a loser no you're really only thinking pull harder you just become part of that group at that end of the rope and everything else sort of disappears temporarily and that is the wonderful part of sharing and some kind of shared experience uh, I love it there's rules in some um, religions, you know, for a minimum, they got a minion in, in Judaism. You got to have a minimum amount of people to do certain things. And that's because you need the feeling of a group. You, know, you can't really lose yourself in five people. There's an energy that happens when you have a group of people and they're all putting their mental energy towards something positive. It feels really special you know and I know that if you've got any heart at all you've been moved by something has moved you and you ought to let it you know it's okay to to drop your uh if you have a armor up you know it's okay to drop it in private I'm not saying make yourself vulnerable to a bunch of people or anything but you can make yourself vulnerable in the shower or something let yourself 
uh, uh, let it out. You know, that's not weakness. Uh, everybody crumbles. And I think that's why it's important to have stories, you know, even uh, the, uh, religious stories of, oh, the, you know, the, the king is in agony <laughs> of, of remorse. And, you know, this person that has everything and they still are, are, are unbearably sad and, and angry and everything. It's the human experience. You don't have to suck it up necessarily. And I have been rescued by others. And now I have that confidence. I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, you know, it's incumbent on me to get my, my scat together because you love me. You know, it was a friend. It wasn't a family. It's not, I, I acknowledge that you care about me. So, I want to do something for you. And that's helped me. So that you don't have to suffer. Because this idea that, you know, that people who love you don't suffer when you do is wrong. And it doesn't mean you should be feel guilty for suffering. But that's why we all help one another. Oh, so I'll reach out when we can. I do it when I can. Sometimes I feel like I got the strength. Sometimes I don't. <gasps> Sometimes I don't. I think you ought to be able to get a free lunch whenever you want. I'd love to live in a place that say, can you pay today? I can't pay today. Might be able to pay tomorrow. Might not. And somebody next to you might be saying, I can pay all the time. I'll get yours. You know? But we do have this idea that somebody, people are getting away with somebody. Nobody alive is getting away with something. They all suffer the same fate. They all have the same nervous systems. They all have the same fears. And they all will die. And they all will lie moldered in the grave. And they, the worms will crawl in and out of their skull unless they're cremated. And then, well, if they're cremated, they could become a, a, an oily film on some body of water. People are always throwing their... I'm worried they're going to rehydrate. You know, I can't imagine. I'm going to write a sci-fi thing like that where there's this lake where people throw the remains of their, the ashes of the dead in so much that, that they're, they've all rehydrated. And now there's all these zombies walking around the beach of this lake and um, going, where's my jar? Like that. Where's my urn? Uh, <laughs> that sounds like my Oliver Onions character. No! I love doing that voice. Oh, so much is so therapeutic for me. No, where are you? I love it. My vein, I can feel the veins in my neck like I'm giving myself a stroke. But I've, um, I've just felt that feeling so much. Oh, my goodness. And for me, I get to creatively express these things, you know. And that's cathartic, too, and great. A lot, a lot of things you got to get out. you got to, like a, like a dog's anal gland. It has to be expressed. It's not, it's not pleasant. But, you know, get it out there. Get it over with. Otherwise, you're going to be rubbing little poo donuts on the carpet, metaphorically, um, with your, with your uh, internal strife. Oh, I hope, oh, my, my clergy is hardy white. Oh, thank you. You flatter me. Or I just flattered myself. It's probably not true. So I, I went to my actual minister and I told him what you said and he said you were wrong. I want you to do that. Please, that would be fine. And you listen to them. Because if that's the group that you get together with and they're the ones that bring casseroles to you when somebody dies, then you definitely want to do what they say and not me. Uh, because we're going to have a harder time doing that because of this is the radio thing and the way that works. But please, let your, 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 you know, if you have a group like that, don't listen to me. Listen to them. And uh, unless they're telling you to do something awful. And then double check it with me. And we'll see. I'll look it up and see if it's a good thing or not. No, that's what your conscience is for, isn't it? And I'm sure you have one. Uh, you know, what we need are more holodecks, like on Star Trek, where you can go and you can try something out. I would like that. It would make decision-making a lot easier if I had all my options that I could act them out and see how it... I think the, the Nathan Fielding did, like, did something like that. We literally, that was the premise, right? But that's... It'd be wonderful to be able to just test things. Say, if I do that, let's see what will happen. 
And, um, but we end up having to guess, you know. So I guess this is what I'm going to do. We'll see if it works out. And so I know that, you know, you feel inadequate, not up for the job. Oh, I'm so glad we're together. I'm singing to you today. I like to sing the songs I like. And here is one today. Let's go there. Let's make it So it's this Creed song that has obsessed me for a long time. Not the song, nothing, but just one line. And that is, um, let's go there. Let's ask, can we stay? And I really feel like the if should be in parentheses. Like if they type out the lyrics, it, could, it should say, let's ask, parentheses, if we can stay. But I guess it's in quotes. Let's ask, can we stay? And is he talking about heaven? Because I don't want, do you have to ask to stay? It's like checking the box. I went to heaven and they gave me the thing to fill out. And I guess I didn't check the box to stay. And now I'm in hell. And I don't even know, I don't even know what's going on. Well, yeah, you got to ask, can we stay? And then you can. That's, that's just, that's my creed. That's the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I don't have, do I have a creed? I'm going to make up a, I guess I'll have to make one up. I should have one. I used to have a uh, manifesto. All artists should have a manifesto because I believe that every individual is an individual movement. And so good to have a manifesto ready. You should always have, you know what AI is going to be the perfect for? The only thing it's good for is artist statements. I think no artist, you should all agree on that. So you don't, artists, you don't want the AI to do your art. No, no, no. We all know that's bad. But these artist statements that sometimes you have, please, get a machine can do that. Because I've read some stuff that's just ridiculous. To ask a landscape painter to say, well, what does it mean? It's a mountain. I don't know, man. You tell me. So uh, you can stay here. You don't even have to ask. Because I don't know you're here. Isn't that wonderful? The place that you don't have to ask if you can stay because I didn't even know you were here. Did you leave? Have you left the show? All right, they left. We can talk now. Hi, friends. That's all over. That was all a ruse. Say, so now that we can get together, and I was really going to talk about the Three Stooges. Oh, there's so much to learn. I um, if you follow me on um social media then some of this thing won't be new to you but I was thinking about the Three Stooges and how many pop culture and movie parody references there are because I've been watching a lot of 30s movies and I watch the 30s movies and I'll think that's like the Three Stooges they stole that from the Three Stooges and in fact the Three Stooges is a parody of the thing I'm watching right or there's a Pop culture things, you know, ad slogans, um, catchphrases that you wouldn't know unless you were alive in the 30s and 40s. And you can, or you have Turner Classic movies or something like that. And so it's not enough to just watch the Three Stooges and say, well, I'm watching, now I understand the 30s because they're referencing things outside of that. Isn't that interesting? There is an, uh, a two-reeler, which is what they're called, those 12 to 15 minute Three Stooges shorts. And um, it's called Disorder in the Court. I think it's in the public domain. That's why you see it on just everywhere on the free VHSs and everything. And at one point, I think the actor's name's Robert Morgan or Morton or something, uh, his toupee flies off and Curly Howard improvises uh, a line. He says, oh, Vice High Kid. Now, I watched that from age of like 10 to 50. I, I was like, man, I don't know what he's saying. And I've slowed it down and I'm listening to oh, voice chart. So I was like, ah, oh, vice high kid. And I've never known what that means. So internet comes along and somebody figured it out that it was uh, a type of leather at the time, but spelled Vici. Like uh, Vinny, v I became a saw conquered. So... But he's saying, V-I-C-I, Vice-I, he's saying it. Um, just like we don't say Versailles here. It's Versailles, Kentucky. So um, I was like, holy cow, man. He's just, he's done the 
uh, equivalent of saying, ah, fine Corinthian leather, like that. So if someone said, yeah, fine Corinthian leather, would you know what that meant? Would you know who Ricardo Monteblan is? See, it would sound absurd and surreal. So some things we think are absurd and surreal are just out of context. We just don't understand where that came from or what it's referencing. And so it can seem alien and strange and absurd. And I, nem- I remember that with, uh, with Monty Python, you know? you know? Clota Rogers, what a dumb made-up name. Well, no, you know? It, the, so you, th- these are real references. You just don't know them. Um, <laughs> I get that. That's a, oh, I'm a weird person. I understand that. I understand I'm strange. And, uh, but I think it's just, you know, the circumstances of my existence. And that's okay. And, but now that I've been on the radio, I find out, unfortunately, I'm not as strange as I thought. I'm certainly not as unique as I thought. And that at first is a little, you know, you go, oh, gosh, I'm a type. But it's also very liberating. You know, oh, there's other me's, and they're probably going through the same garbage, and they probably just have the same uh, wacky challenges, and maybe they, you know, have the same strange, tense relationship with themselves that I do. And maybe it came sort of from the outside. You know, maybe uh, we were all made this way because of shared experiences in our strange culture. Maybe because when we got here, we didn't really know what's happened before we got here. You know, I knew, um, when I was born, I knew about three, three great-grandparents. But, you know, I didn't know much about them or anything. And then, you know, I didn't know where they'd come from or what their experience has been. Not really. And this, some people don't even know their grandparents. And I'm not saying that it can give you any more information. It can leave you just as confused, knowing your origins. But then sometimes you realize, like, where some of your values came from, your traditions, and, and you know, you go, God, I didn't know why we did that. I'm not going to do that anymore. So, you know, I don't have to do that. That's why we did that. We were eating that because we were poor. Now I don't have to eat that anymore. It's not good for me, or something like that, you know? Um Drinking's like that too. So I'm a proud tradition of drinkers. You know, well, maybe not good. Break that, break that chain, maybe. You know, if it's giving you, giving you trouble. So we are all equally lost, I think. And as a grown-up now, and uh, I realize that grown-ups don't know what they're doing. Nobody does, and everybody's faking it for the most part, except some medical people. No, they're faking it. They, no, they're not. They are and they aren't. Um, yeah, we're all just trying to get through and retain our dignity. And I love helping someone else retain their dignity because we all deserve it. Everybody does. This is, boy, if you're here, you get a medal. I think just being alive, it's like being alive, like a combat, if you were just in a, a, a skirmish, if you were just, or in the military at a certain time, just get a medal, like an attendance medal or something, everybody needs one just for being alive. Get the equivalent of a purple heart just for being born. As long as you haven't done anything, baloney, it's hard. Baloney, maybe it's not hard where you come from, I'm talking globally and eternally. It's a struggle for human beings and all creatures. Go watch one of these nature documentaries. You watch these creatures struggle in awful, fatal futility to get a meal or something. I saw one, it was like some crab had to swim out to a rock. and, and, And every other crab is getting eaten by a bird. But they got to swim out there anyway. And you think, holy cow, man, that's bleak. Ah, it's not bleak, it just is. You know, and the crab finds a way. You know, tragedy is an interpretation sometimes. You know? So this is all, this is all, all suffering. We have find our solution in, it, in unity. And 
at some point, at some point, we either got to take off our Dalek armor or we're going to perish. And I would plead to all of you who are listening to my voice, if you hear me right now, I'm telling you, open your heart. Open your heart to others and understand that that person that you think has nothing in common with you is you. You are every refugee. You are every prisoner. You are every cancer patient. You are everybody. You are every orphan. And so you must understand that first. And you must take the cover off your heart. And you must be brave enough, because fear is a constant, you must be brave enough to open that heart and let in the reality of that suffering of others. And your heart will grow and it will expand and you'll say, how is this possible? It feels like it's being crushed. Oh, no, it's rising to the occasion. It is rising to the occasion. It is getting stronger. Just like that workout, you go to the gym, you go, I work out until I feel like I'm going to die. And then a couple days later, I feel like Superman. Yeah, you break it down and it builds back. But you can't do that if you don't go in there and take off your um, pants. No, that doesn't sound right. You know, take off your work pants, put on your gym clothes. A lot of, a lot of journeys start with taking your pants off. And that's fine, you know, for good or bad. Um, sometimes your ankles got to get, you know, thorns in them. I can't go anywhere without my shoes anymore. And now, I, when I was a kid, I went barefoot everywhere. And then I stopped going barefoot because I was, I was like, I don't really like the feeling. And now I can't because my feet are uh, pain. I've got pain foot. <laughs> and so I can't, you know, it's... Uh, it's hard for me. I need special ugly shoes. And then, uh, you know, so that's wonderful. If I went to a, a nudist resort, I'd be like, can I please keep my orthopedic shoes on? Because I can't. Otherwise, I'm just going to be sitting here. And they go, yeah, I guess so. And socks? All right, and socks. And a hat? All right, you wear a hat, but nothing else. Pants? No pants. That's the whole point. Little pants? Hot pants? Can I wear like Tom Selleck? Like those are like a three-inch inseam pants? Like like Magnum P.I.? Or the uh, West Country guy on Time Team? I forget his name. Bless his heart. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? We do, say by UK listeners. And, oh, I'm so blessed. I don't know what time it is there, but bless you so much. I can't wait to go, too. I'm going to be going. Hey, listen, we're doing a, okay, one minute, go, uh, October Hellraiser. So WFMU is raising money. This ain't the marathon. Oh, no. This is a little mini give. So, because we still have bills. So we're doing a little one minute, one and a half minute pitch in October. It's called the Hellraiser. And um, like raising it, not a razor like you shave with. I've had a Hellraiser. Just tears the get one of those cheap things can you imagine razors used to have only one blade now they've got 12 just like cinemas so uh we need a little bit so if you could kick some money to fmu way we always send you something and uh send you something back right i think so please do that and if you love hardy white and if i mean this is basically passing the collection plate i don't get any of it so uh i get to remain um, without money, but they uh, will keep meeting like this unless they fire me, and then but the block will still be here to extend the analogy. My building might not be, but then something else could be built on it, like an all ska show or something like that that you really want. Listen, oh bless you so. Thanks for you being with me. You are listening. We like to call this Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide.
Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you again next week. Today, October is come, breezing like a Harley D down that spiraling thoroughfare we call time. The Hellraiser in its sidecar. Palms outstretched in the crisp autumn air careening into the ever earlier sunset. Please donate today. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash WFMU.org. Enter. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash WFMU.org Into your browser's query field. That's correct. A listener just like yourself can use an internet just like your own to sustain this 24-hour transmission. Please donate today. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash WFMU.org One half scroll downward click the words pledge now. From there I will leave it to the spirit to guide you. Dearest listener, my dear generous intelligent listener, October is come. October is come. The Hellraiser in its sidecar.
people, but uh, we began to hear strange things coming about in the midst of this place. That's what she said. I began to see things in 